Good morning. Welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. It's the 22nd of March. Seems like I just did a podcast yesterday, and guess what? I did. Welcome. Thank you so much for listening. I wanted to start off uh, just some of the news of the day. Uh, Donald Trump has not yet been indicted or put in handcuffs or anything like that. But interesting development on that. Yesterday, the uh, attorney of the state's star witness testified and was able to remind the grand jury that the state's star witness is a convicted perjurer, somebody who willingly uh, threw out attorney-client privilege uh, in attempt to appease the never-Trumpers and Democrats and taking down Donald Trump. Now, mind you, the what they're trying to get Donald Trump for, you know, Republicans are saying that this is not a big deal, and it really isn't. I mean, you're not looking at a, uh, well, he's looking at, uh, they're tr- treating it like a felony, and perhaps they've got some sort of obscure felony statute that they're working on there. But really, this is nothing more than just what did campaign money campaign uh, funding pay for. And to me, in reality, the silence of someone uh, could be considered a legitimate campaign finance issue, or at least once it becomes exposed, uh, subject to debate as to how legitimate the uh, payment was. Whether or not it was, I mean, was it to aid the campaign? Of course it was. Uh, so in many ways you could say that that was the case because he wouldn't have had to do that had he not ran for president. Now, having said that, I do want to point out that in the 2004 Democratic primary for president, John Edwards, uh, senator from uh, South Carolina, I believe was ended up being the, uh, actually 2000 that this happened, but 2004 ended up being the running mate of uh, uh, John Kerry. Uh, John Edwards, it was found out uh, there was some money issues with with uh, an, uh, an illegitimate child and uh, perhaps some campaign funding for that. Even as I'm saying that, I'm remembering Howard Dean's primal scream when he won Iowa and then went into obscurity as far as uh, presidential aspirations go. But uh, that was enough to take out John Edwards as a presidential candidate back then. But it's not like we knew, we didn't know what we were getting with Donald Trump. And so should this be something that's a disqualifier? Well, the Lib has already pointed out that that Donald Trump, uh, I do not expect. Of course, you know, political parties have a way of, of, you know, even the Democrats, which normally are very smart uh, politically, except for when they nominated the worst possible candidate ever in 2016, uh, Hillary Clinton, who ran the worst possible campaign ever. The uh, they're you know they're politicians they they can get sunk in and perhaps this is some strategy this whole uh, 
grand jury and charging Donald Trump with a crime thing, the strategy is uh, they think it'll work that they'll it'll it'll push Donald Trump it'll push the primaries. Donald Trump will win the primary, which I've already said that he will, unless something uh, huge comes out. It's not likely that there's a, a Republican. Uh, my current favorite, not committed to it, meaning I haven't donated to him yet, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy um, or Ron DeSantis. I'm not donating. I would not. I mean, I'll, I don't know what the libertarians are going to do. Um, it's quite possible that there were libertarian vote issues as far as swaying an election in, in uh, a couple states. but But in reality... You know, until until we can force people into accepting an independent, you're not going to get it. The, there's the powers that be uh, in the political elite as well as the media. Um, they need the dichotomy. The last, the worst thing, and and this cuts both ways. By the way, could you imagine a a uh, well, Vivek Ramaswamy has has put some credentials out there that I don't think that anybody uh, left of center uh, could support him. But could you imagine, say, instead of Joe Manchin running? Because Joe Manchin's not going to get any votes from progressives. The only way that Joe Manchin could win is if a Republican didn't run. Or they nominated somebody like Trump. And I think that Joe Manchin actually could be a third-party candidate that would just make a mess of the Electoral College uh, votes. But would Joe Manchin win West Virginia where he's very unpopular now? Unless he does a 180 and starts supporting Republican uh, causes in the Senate, I'm not sure. I mean, he could, he'll probably win re-election, but if he were to run for president, um, I'm not sure that he could even count on West Virginia's electoral votes, especially against Trump. But this is the, the, they're making this crime, the crime of the century. You know, Alvin Bragg, the prosecutor for the city of New York has, They have murders at all-time highs. They have carjackings at all-time highs. They have crime. They have, they have theft. You know, the reason that they, they point and say, well, theft isn't as big of a deal, it's because they're not charging. You know, they're pointing out in, in San Francisco, they're, they're, they're coming to the realization that, or, uh, that, you know, they boot, not San Francisco, but California, that, you know, they've, they've said that anything under $1,200 in, in stealing is not a felony. It used to be $650, now it's $1,200. And then they sit there and they wonder why shoplifting has gone through the roof. Do people not understand? I mean, this is, you know, whether, you know, it's economics, it's it's just logical. If you reward behavior, or rather you 
you decriminalize behavior, what are you going to expect more of? And while as a good libertarian, I suppose that that I should support, you know, uh, legalization of marijuana, certainly, which I'm not opposed to, but but I will clarify that. Until marijuana is legalized at the federal level, which, by the way, it shouldn't even be a crime at the federal level, but until it's legalized, the, the courts have upheld the Fed's ability to charge people with with crimes regarding marijuana and to prosecute them. And so while the federal law exists, and it hasn't changed, it hasn't eased up, it's just selective prosecution or lack of prosecution, that could change if you were to get a president that was to actually go in and clean house. And I've said many times that if I were president or if I was advising president, I would say I would call the leaders of both parties in the House and the Senate to the White House. And I would say, tomorrow, I am signing an executive order. It's already filled out. Here's a copy of it. Where I'm going to start enforcing federal law. Period. How long do you need to start repealing the laws you don't want enforced? And let them, and say, oh, by the way, if you don't give me an answer when you leave this room, it's going to be 90 days. The problem with having a meeting with the members of Congress is that they're going to try to beat you to the punch. And so as I'm thinking of it, probably what I would do instead is I would go out and I would hold a press conference and I would point out the catastrophe that is the federal code. And I would say that I'm going to enforce the law. Now, Congress is going to make a big stink and they're going to say blah, blah, blah. And that's why you would have to be out in front because it would leak out for sure. And they would make it that you're being the bad guy. But in reality, I would make Congress the bad guy. I said, Congress has sat here for a decade since a, more than a decade since the first state legalized marijuana for medicinal use, let alone recreational use. And Congress has done nothing to address that issue. Congress wants to pass new gun laws, or maybe they don't. But here's the thing. And I would, I would have the statistics. I would have the statistics already. This is how many people were charged with murder. This is how many prior felons are, were charged in a violent crime, including a firearm. And this is how many people were charged with the automatic 
mandatory sentence violation of the gun laws and point out that that number is practically zero. I mean, think about this. You get a, a, a prior felon that's involved in an assault or battery or uh, manslaughter or murder involving a firearm. Why even prosecute that crime? Although if you've got the crime dead to rights, obviously you do that. But you're going to get a five or ten year sentence mandatory by simply prosecuting this felon that had a gun in his hand. Even if he's just walking down the street, even if he's at Walmart or a gun shop and he handles a firearm, handles it, doesn't apply, handles it. That's a mandatory sentence. And that mandatory sentence is going to be way more, especially in these days, with what you're going to get for an aggravated assault or, or you know, battery or, or, you know, attempted murder or whatever. I'll be right back. San Francisco, uh, oh, by the way, welcome back to the Lib. San Francisco uh, Board of Supervisors have unanimously passed and they're going to start dealing with this a reparations bill or reparations uh, ordinance for the city. It's essentially going to pay every black adult in the city $5 million. Beyond that, they're going to guarantee them an income of like $97,000 for however many years. Oh, on top of that, they're also going to pay off any kind of credit card or debt or tax debt that they may have currently. Oh, and they're going to be able to buy a house in San Francisco for a dollar. They estimate the cost of this to those that are not black in the city of San Francisco. $600,000 per adult. Now, mind you, while the the annual uh, stipend obviously is going to go on for however long they said, that $5 million is an upfront. The cost of the house, you know, even if the city was to just put a mortgage on it, there's going to be significant costs up front, plus uh, long-term, extensive long-term costs. Think about you being a... somebody who is a product of the failed education system, working at uh, In-N-Out living in an apartment with three other families. And you just find out that Willie Brown, the former mayor of San Francisco, a multimillionaire, is going to get a $5 million check. He's going to get another house for a dollar. Plus, he's going to get $100,000 a year for however many years. And any debt that he has paid off. California 
in this last census, first time that they've lost population. But you think that they're losing population now? People are going to walk away from their houses. And everything. And then who's going to be holding the bag? When the city of San Francisco goes into bankruptcy court. Because they're idiots. I mean, there are so many things. There's a battle right now, of course, going on between DeSantis and Trump. By the way, DeSantis, not even a declared candidate as yet. John Stossel had a piece today talking about DEI. Of course, that's uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. DEI is, you know, let me, let me, let me change gears. It's a similar topic, but actually it's the same topic, but I just wanted to, uh, and come follow me, which is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, annual, uh, uh, scriptural study program. This year we're studying the New Testament. And we're currently in Matthew and Luke and talking about where the powers that be in Judaism are accusing Jesus Christ of using the power of Satan to cast out devils and his other miracles. And Christ rightly points out, can a house divided against itself stand? To that, it is not a quote, so don't go off on me on that. We are dividing this nation tribally. The government is, by the way. And diversity, equity, and inclusion is the point of the spear for it. Forcing people to separate. Did you know in the University of Michigan that they're going to have five separate graduations uh, for their graduating class? And those graduations are going to, those different ones are going to be based on race, ethnicity, ethnicity, or uh, gender identity, probably sexual orientation too. Remember when it used to be a thing that there were separate water fountains blacks and white and how we thought we had progressed from that apparently not stuck in the same old loop uh, that we've always been in except now it's the government 
Well, I guess <laughs> it was the government advancing it then. You know, Plessy versus Ferguson, the separate but equal ruling, was a ruling against big business and for the government because big business did not want segregation. You know, the separate rail cars in the case of Plessy versus Ferguson because it's economically, it's really, really stupid to have to have facilities for people based on race. I can hear you now. You're going to say, yeah, what about gender? Why have separate facilities for that? Really? I'll address it in a second. The uh, this whole movement is set is intentionally tearing this country apart. It's p- turning black against white, gay against straight, gay against trans transgender, transgenders against straights, tr- straights against transgender, um, Asians against everyone else, everyone else against Asians. I mean, it's. Every single aspect of this. And the bottom line is this, is that people are people. Every person is an individual and unique person and an identity, which, of course, flies in the face of DEI. Because in DEI, there can be no individuality. But here's the thing. It's just like our DNA. Every single person is a different person. They're going to have different strong points. They're going to have different weak points. You're going to have some who are alphas, whether male or female or otherwise, whatever that is. And you're going to have people that are not alphas. And no matter what you do, there will be those that will rise above their circumstance. And there will be those, and and this whole DEI movement is conditioning people to accept the circumstance imposed upon them by government. I know you communists out there are going to say, no, it's big business. Big business and government are essentially the same. You know, fascism, which in reality is more the economic system that China uses rather than, I mean, although the Communist Party owns everything, so I guess not, but you know, and these people get rich so long as they're doing what the party wants. But here in the United States, are we any different? I mean, you've got these big corporations that are in there uh, crafting laws and such. Perhaps that's an issue, right? Perhaps government has too much power. And when government gets big, businesses get big. Yes, of course, we had your Rockefeller, your Morgan, your Carnegie. Um, before the progressive era, and the progressive era was era was successful in taking them down, but at what cost? John D. Rockefeller made it possible so that there were lights and homes after dark. And he standardized the quality of lamp oil 
in a market that was chaotic, that had frequent accidents where people died because of inconsistent chemical mixing. Rockefeller bought, brought order to that. If it wasn't for Carnegie and his ability to mass-produce steel, buildings reaching to the heavens would not have been constructed. The ability to house and tenant so many people to bridge a continent would not have happened. Now, am I am I extolling Carnegie and how he treated his workers? No. You know, Henry Ford, you know, the one who pioneered the mass production of the automobile, which sets America apart, by the way, from every other nation. You know, my mom is uh, 86 years old this year. She still has her car. She doesn't drive out of Paola much. Hopefully not at all. That's the hardest thing for her to get rid of. And I think she's coming to the realization that she should. But because of what the automobile means. And this is something that people that come from elsewhere, and even, frankly, you know, in cities like New York and such, how many people in, in New York even have a car? Probably not many. Many of them don't even have driver's license. There was an L.A. LA law was a drama back in the 80s that they had a, a, a hired a lawyer to the firm from New York City and he had never driven, didn't even have a license. Can you imagine that? You know, Oklahomans during the Dust Bowl loading up their cars, their dilapidated vehicles, and driving to California. Couldn't have happened. In any other nation. Individuals. Rise above. I mean. Where, what was the safety net for the pioneers? Oh. They died. You know. Goods. Such as. As. Uh, made clothing. Firearms, etc., were hard to come by. If if you had a, 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 a an acreage out on the frontier, you know you made everything that you could. You perhaps traded with neighbors, went into town when you absolutely had to. And if there was a country doctor that could help out, the doctor did the best they could. compare that today like Silicon Valley Bank where you know in the old days well even back in you know in um, the 30s at the time of the Great Depression 
you know, if your bank, their bank run, just like It's a Wonderful Life, there's a bank run. Guess what? There's no FDIC to bail you out. And yet, not only is the FDIC bailing out those uh, that are insured up to $250,000, but now the federal government has come in and promised their their donors, the Democrat donors and, and elite Republicans, let's be honest, that they're going to honor those deposits regardless of how much it is. Even though the FDIC fees and insurance has not been factored in to pay for those. In fact, it's been factored in to only pay up to $250,000. But what about the investors of the bank? Screwed. Pension fund? Screwed. 401k, IRA? Screwed. Ten million on account of the bank, cha-ching. Feds have too much power because feds have too much power. Big business has too much power because they can buy that power from the feds. Equity is a myth. You know, the uh, circuit court judge that. Uh, was booed at Stanford Law, was heckled and protested, and even the the dean of DEI at the law school harangued this judge. I'd love to see her up for a judgeship and say, oh yeah, I promise I will obey precedent, etc. What they always say. If I was judiciary, I'd say we're going to have an off the record. We're going to go into closed session so we can actually ask questions and you're going to answer them. And if you're not going to answer them, then then both parties are going to agree to not advance your name out. Wouldn't that be fun? I'm long. I got to go. Thank you so much for listening. We are each individuals and individually not as part of some group. Our lives matter. My life matters. Is yours? It's the lib.